Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. The book of 1 Thessalonians was written by Paul to the church at Thessalonica. It was a seaport town in what's modern-day Greece along the Aegean Sea. At the end of his first letter, Paul gives some final exhortations. Personally, when I look at it, I see this section as Paul calling in a few favors. There's times where we have the ability to call in a few favors. And those last few verses that he says, in my mind, it's Paul calling in a few favors, but not for himself, for the church. Good leaders do that. Good leaders have the ability to leverage their influence and the goodwill that they have garnished to help and bless the very people that they are leading. Friends, you need to do that in your life. When God has given you some form of influence, when he's given you some form of blessing in your life, you need to leverage that influence, that blessing that is coming your way, and you need to use that to bless other people, to help other people, and to serve other people. That's exactly what Paul did. When he calls in these favors, it's not just blessing the church, but by calling in these favors, he's going to bless the very people who he's calling the favors from. Paul encourages them to do a few things. He asks them to show respect to the leaders that have been established because these guys are novices. They're new in what they're doing. And so he asks them to show them respect, to grant them respect, to hold them in high esteem, He encourages the church to get along well with one another and to show one another love and concern, to be patient with one another. He encourages them to warn the troublemakers. Sometimes there's troublemakers. There's people who they're headed down the wrong way. And sometimes the reality of it is even in a local church that if the people will say something to the troublemakers, you stop stuff right in its tracks. I thank God for the early years that I was here. I I wish Greg and Crystal, they'll be here at second service, I'm sure. But I saw Greg and Crystal and Frank and Jackie as I was a young pastor, 26 years old. And I remember Greg and Crystal at times just kind of stomping out little fires for me. What a blessing they are. Sometimes someone would say something or do something and Greg would be like, nah, I don't think that. Well, what a blessing to have people like that. And so that's what Paul is saying to the people. He says, you warn the ones who are troublemakers. You warn the ones who are kind of going down the wrong way. You address them as the body. Don't depend on the leaders to do all of it. And he tells them to look out for the good of the whole. In essence, live your life in such a way and carry yourself in such a way that you're not the only one who's going to win. As Pastor Weed said, we talked this week, he he wants a win-win situation. And that's what life needs to be. Just not you win, but in the decisions that you make and the choices that you make, make sure that other people win as well. Okay? You look out not just for your own interest, but for the good of the whole body. Then he makes this powerful statement. It's only three verses. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, 17, and 18. He says, rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
On Thursday of this week, what are we going to be celebrating? Can you believe that Thanksgiving is here? It doesn't seem like it. It just seems like just the other day it was January and we're celebrating Thanksgiving this week, this Thursday. I can't believe that it's here already. As our American national holiday, it really stems back to the feast held in the autumn of 1621 by the pilgrims and the Wampanoag Indians to celebrate the colony's first successful harvest. But even before that, the pilgrims, because of their faith, had days that were set aside to pray, not to feast, but to fast and to give thanks to God. Today, I want to ask you a question. When you hear the word thanksgiving, what comes to your mind? And you can slip up your hand and shout them out. Food, turkey, stuffing, family. What else? Football, a lot of work. (laughs) Cleaning up, right? What else? Vacation time. My wife, she gets off a whole week from work. What on earth? How about the rest of you? How much time you get off? Paul, what do you get off? Just Thanksgiving Day. Oh, okay, good. How long are you going to be off? Oh, good for you. You're off every day. Thank God for retirement, right? Thank God for retirement. When I think of Thanksgiving, here's some of the things that come to my mind. The family gathering, laughing and telling stories, turkey, food, stuffing, mashed potatoes, I could go on. When I think of Thanksgiving, I think of the Detroit Lions and Barry Sanders. It tells you how old I am. 1230, 12.30 in the afternoon, the Detroit Lions always played somebody. And I'm thinking back, I remember Barry Sanders running. He'd always have great games on Thanksgiving Day. And then at 4.30, who plays? You guys, a lot of you don't like them. The Dallas Cowboys, huh? They got a few Cowboy fans. At 4.30, you're going to see the Cowboys. When I was a kid, that was all you got. Now, because of making more money, they have an evening game as well. And and different teams play, but it's always the Detroit Lions at 12.30. At 4.30 is always the Cowboys, and now there's a third team playing. When I think of Thanksgiving, I think of shooting rifles in for hunting season. The neighbors don't like it when I do it at my house now, but it's (laughs) had to kind of give that up since we have a third of an acre lot. I think of the beginning of hunting season when we think of thanksgiving sweet tea mom's cherry cheesecake time off for work i think of the sales papers the flyers you get a newspaper and your newspaper is usually this thick and on the week thanksgiving it's about this thick and papers everywhere now we start thinking of black friday shopping but it's really like Black Thursday. They keep moving it back and back. You used to have to do it like at 7 in the morning, 8 in the morning. Then it's 5, 6, and it's 12.30. Now it's Thursday evening. People are Black Friday shopping. Everybody going out to get their deals. I'd like to add another thing to your list when you think of Thanksgiving. You know how we do a Google search and the first thing that pops up? I wish I could reprogram everyone's brain. If there was some way I could do that today, I would do that for you. That when you think of Thanksgiving, that, well, we do think of our family and we do think of the turkey and the smells and everybody laughing around the table. But I pray that when you think of Thanksgiving, that what would come to your mind would be God's will for my life. Because Thanksgiving is really the will of God 
for your life. Not the commercialized idea of thanksgiving, but a spirit and an attitude of thanksgiving. God wants my life to be marked, to be identified, that whenever people hear of me, when they say my name, Steve Ritchie, there should be something that says thanksgiving about me, not just because I gain a lot of weight and look like a turkey sometimes, okay? Not because of that, but because the spirit that comes out of me and the spirit that comes out of you is a spirit of gratitude, a spirit of thanks. May I suggest to you that thanksgiving should permeate every part of your being in every aspect of your existence. If you went home for Thanksgiving dinner, and when you opened the door, if you did not smell the aroma coming out, you would think something's wrong. This was before cell phones, right? Now we get texts and we know what's up at the minute. But can you imagine driving home and you left a few hours early and you go into your parents' house or you go to the place where you meet and you open the door, if you did not smell that aroma that comes out, what would you think? You'd say, something's wrong. I wonder what happened to mom. I wonder what happened to dad. Surely there's something going on because I don't smell the aroma. Every time I walk in here, there's an aroma. There's something that permeates the air. It's that smell of, it's that Thanksgiving smell. In our lives, what should permeate the aroma of our lives should be this spirit of thanksgiving. I read this statement concerning God's will this week. It said, God's will is the believer's law. Let me say that again. God's will is the believer's law. Once I discover what God's will is, what are my options? There's a lot of times in life where we're questioning, I wonder what God wants me to do. I wonder which choice God wants me to make. I wonder which way God wants me to go. But once you discover what God's will is, what are your options? Once I discover what God's will is, I have two choices. I can obey it or I can reject it. Sometimes it's easier for us not to know his will because we have our own will and we want to do our own thing. And sometimes it's easy to act like we don't hear or don't know what his will is, when in reality we do. But as of today, all of you have been informed. You are without excuse. You know now what God's will is for your life. His will for you is very clearly expressed in this portion of scripture. And so now you have a choice. You get to decide if you want to follow God's will or if you want to reject his will. If you follow God's will, what's that called? When I do what God wants? Obedience. When you reject God's will, what's that called? There's another word for it too. Rebellion. There's another word. Sin. When you reject the will of God, you set yourself up to oppose him. What does the Bible say about God? Who does God oppose? To oppose God means that there's pride in your heart. The God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so if you want God's grace, and if I want God's grace in my life, then I need to submit to his will because his will is good for me. It's kind of like you as a parent sometimes. And I know that as parents, we're not perfect. And as parents, we make a lot of mistakes. And as parents, we can't see everything. As a godly parent, you have a deep love for your family. And there's things that you can see because of experience that you know, hey, it's better to go this way than that way. 
this choice is better than that choice. Not that you want to control everybody, but as a mom and dad, you have an insight, you have a wisdom that you can impart. God has a will for our lives. It leads to his blessing. It leads to favor. It leads to long life. His will is for our good. This is his will for us. God's will for us is the first thing. Number one is that we rejoice always. We should always be rejoicing. Listen to the scripture. Philippians chapter four, verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Hey, if you didn't hear me, I'll say it again. Rejoice. That's what he said. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And it really parallels 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says the same themes. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In Acts chapter 5, we see the disciples had been preaching the gospel. And the members of the Sanhedrin got stirred up and were angry about what they were preaching and what they were teaching. And so they had them brought before the Sanhedrin, and they were trying to figure out, what do we do with these people? What do we do? And the one gentleman stands up and says, hey, if this isn't of God, we've seen this kind of stuff before. If these people are on their own, we've seen these uprisings before. If it's not of God, just let it go. Nothing will come of it. But if it's of God, you really can't stand against it. And so what they did is they pulled them in, and they flogged them. That means they beat them. Not like a little, they beat them publicly. They publicly humiliated them. Can you imagine as a grown man, someone bringing you in and beating you with a whip? You talk about angry, you talk about rage, you talk about disgust, you talk about wanting to get back. I know some of you, you would wait for them later. You would find them one by one and pick them off and you'd look for them and you'd find a way to get back at them. Some of you would do it more secretly. Some of you would do it openly. You can imagine the anger and the frustration that that would bring upon you. But listen to the response of the apostles. Verse 41, Acts 5. It says, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. What did the word say? Rejoice always. It's funny whenever people ask you to do something that they've not done themselves. Yet the disciples, the apostles... They weren't asking people to do something they had not been willing to do themselves. And this is what he says. It says, they left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. There's something about when you turn in your heart that you're going to rejoice always. They found something to praise the Lord about. They had just gotten beaten. But they said, Lord, thank you that we're worthy to be beaten. Are you crazy? No. There was something that happened in their heart. They made a determination in their heart that they were going to find something to praise God about, something to rejoice about. And it says, day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, 
they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They didn't let that slow them down. And you know, the crazy thing is today all around the world, there's believers who are in places where they're being persecuted, places where they're suffering, places that don't have the freedom that we have in the United States. And they are rejoicing that they are counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. The second thing, it's God's will for your life, to pray continually. One commentator wrote that the meaning in Greek was to pray without intermission. You ever notice that sometimes we can pray for a period of time and then we kind of like, we feel like we need a break from it. Maybe I'm the only one who feels that way. Prayer takes something out of you when you truly pray. You pour out yourself. But as you pour out, God pours back in. He strengthens you. In other words, our lives are not to be marked by periods of prayerlessness. Could it be that part of a cultivating a spirit of thanksgiving comes from continually being communication and fellowship with the Lord? For it's in those times of prayer and devotion that our minds are set right. If you don't have communion with God, then the world is going to be the one that influences you. Then your thoughts are going to be what influences you. Then your emotions are what's going to influence you. A lot of us have some bad emotions. Our emotions left to ourselves aren't necessarily, they don't necessarily line up with the word of God. They're affected by our flesh. And so what we see here is whenever you allow the word of God to come into your heart, when you spend time in his word, it's almost like that plumb line. When you spend time in prayer, it is that plumb line that adjusts your life. And so as you spend time in God's word, it shows you that what, you know what you're thinking, your thinking's not right. Hey, your attitude is not right. Hey, what your response to this situation is not lining up with the word of God. And so we are to pray continually. And then the third one is to give thanks in all circumstances. God's will for you and for me is that we give thanks in all circumstances. Verse 18 says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When we give thanks, it's not just when things are going my way. We give thanks not just when I get what I want. We give thanks to God not just when he answers quickly. Any of you struggle whenever God's slow to answer? Well, a lot of times when he answers quickly, we're like, oh, praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. But what about when his answer is delayed? What about when God's answer is no? I like to give thanks whenever he says yes. But what about whenever he says no? What about when God says, wait, how is it possible to give thanks to God whenever I can trust him when I, and when he says no to something that I'm questioning about? Well, I didn't think that was that good anyhow, Lord. But whenever I think that I know what's good, I struggle when he says no. I struggle when he says, wait, anyone else there? When he says, wait. When he says, you just keep doing what you're doing, and he says, you wait a little bit. Lord, you know, why can't we just speed this up? Let's get with the program, Lord. I'm ready. I hope you are. When he says no, he wants us to continually have a spirit of thanksgiving. When he says, I'm going to take you around that mountain again. You're like, oh, crud. I don't like what I was thinking. I've already been there and done that, Lord. I think we should move on to the next one. 
I think we should move on to the next circumstance. I'm ready to move forward. But when God says no, how is it possible for us to continue to give thanks in all circumstances? It's possible because we trust in the character and the nature of our God. We believe that he's good. We believe that he has our best interest in mind. We believe that everything he is doing, that he is the master, that he is in charge. Things aren't out of control in his universe. That he has not forgotten me. He has not forsaken me. He's not turned his back on me. He's not angry with me. He's not disappointed with me. He just simply told me to wait. And there's some reason why he's doing that. And so when he does it, we give thanks to him. How many times do we say this? Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, not in the things that make me feel good, not in the times that I get what I want, but in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Listen to this. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? How can we have a spirit of thanksgiving no matter what we face? Because I know that God's for me. Listen to me. He loves you. He cares for you. As you submit yourself to him, he is working all things together. Every circumstance, every situation, every delay, every time he says no, every time he says wait, he's working all of those things together for my good. Not only has he justified me and you, but one day we're going to be glorified with him. And so God is working out something in my life And when I understand his character, you can sit back and relax. You say, it's under control. You don't have to be stressed about it. You don't have to be worried about it. God is working out everything for my good. My challenge is just not getting in his way. God, I just don't want to get in your way. Lord, I might need you to a little extra help, me not getting in your way, because I tend to do that. What's God's will for your life? Thanksgiving. That's his will, not turkeys. He likes turkeys. Some of you might like ham. Vegetarian, I don't know, tofu, turkey or something. God's will for your life is that you rejoice always. That you pray continually. And that you give thanks in every single situation. What happens? That begins to permeate your life. And every time people come around you, they begin to smell it. That's why some people, to some people, they're the fragrance of life. And to others, they're the fragrance of death. Why? Because God's spirit's flowing out of you. He's moving through you. I want to bless you today. And let me just tell you how much, as we say Thanksgiving, let me say to you how much I appreciate each of you. It's beautiful to see God's grace in your life. It's beautiful to see you growing in his grace, in his mercy, in his knowledge. It's wonderful to see you whenever I see you go through difficult times and I see you, here comes a wave, it hits you. I look and there you're still standing. Here comes the wind and the storm. Sometimes we can't see what's going on. But as we look through the clouds and see, I see you still standing by the grace of God. No matter what the future holds, 
God's grace is going to be there for you. No matter what the future holds, no matter what comes your way, no matter what circumstances you come up against, God is going to be right there with you. So you can rejoice. And in the end, we win. I don't know if you read the end of the book. I'm not sure if you read it yet. No matter what happens, we win. It doesn't matter what comes our way. It doesn't matter what we go through. In the end, we are victorious by the blood of the lamb. And by what? The word of our testimony. And so I want to encourage you to tell people about how good God's been to you. To tell them of how faithful. Whenever a trial comes, say, hey, he delivered me before. He's going to deliver me again. What are you worrying about? If he's calmed some storms for you before, he'll calm them again. If he's healed you before, he'll heal you again. If he's brought you through before, he's going to do it again. Father, I ask you, you heard my prayers this week, that a spirit of thanksgiving and gratitude, that praise would be upon the lips of your people. Lord, it would be something that they cannot control, something that wells up within them, a sense of gratitude, a sense of praise, a sense of thanksgiving and worship would ascend to the very throne room of God and that you would fill the people with a sense of expectancy that God's brought me through before and I got something to praise him about because my answer's on the way. Lord, bless your people. Let them be an influence everywhere they go of the grace of God. And I'll thank you and praise you for that. And everybody said, amen. Amen.